Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. All right, this is it. This is our last week uh, of our series, Forgotten God. Um, it's, been, it's been, I think, an awesome journey for me personally in my faith and just uh, seeking after more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want to give a quick recap for maybe those that hadn't been able to come out. And, and again, this series is available on our podcast, so if you need or want uh, to listen to this series, just let me know and I can send you the link. It's, it's If you want to write it down now, it's 242.podbean, as in like refried beans, uh, podbean.com. And uh, you can check out all of, all of this series on there. It's been posted. Uh, catch yourself up briefly just to go over what we've talked about. The first week we talked about why we need the Holy Spirit and we went through uh, four different reasons uh, of our need for Him and recognizing, recognizing the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The, the second week we talked about why we want the Holy Spirit and, and really looking at our motive our motive for why we're chasing after the Holy Spirit. And we talked about wrong reasons and right reasons for doing that. Uh, Last week, we or last service rather, we talked about real relationship with the Holy Spirit. We took a a time to kind of dissect that passage where Jesus talks about taking up our cross and following Him and what that means. And we talked about how real relationship is daily, Real relationship can be stopped by barriers. We talked about the fear of surrendering our comfort, the fear of surrendering the noise, you know, the busyness around us, and the fear of surrendering our reputation. Uh, and, and finally closed it out with real relationship will see the kingdom of God. And so tonight, as we close this thing out, I really want to focus on, and tonight's message is entitled Empowered. Uh, I want to talk about what it looks like to be empowered by Him. And, and, and truly, what He desires, what the Holy Spirit desires for you when people talk about being empowered. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, and if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we're going to be there all night and, and even into 1 Corinthians 13. Um, got a lot of text that I want to go through, but I think it, it all, reading it all together, you, you got to, you have to. Um, so tonight I want to focus on how the Holy Spirit empowers the church and, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 it starts off saying that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same Spirit is the source of them all there are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord God works in different ways but it is the same God who does the work in all of us and I want to point to the fact that there is a work being done in all of us we're all different but there is a work that's being done in each of us and that's really what I want to talk about this empowerment is simply the work of God in you it's what God is using you working in you through you to be able to reach the people around you and that's what when we're talking about empowerment it's when we allow ourselves to finally let go uh, of our own desires right last week our last service, we talked about the comfort, the noise, and the reputation. It's that, that idea of letting it go, that, that idea of surrender. And the moment that we surrender, that's when we begin to see God doing this work in us. That's when we begin to see 
and empowerment take place. And it, and it happens through the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, we're going to focus on three things. Three things that each and every single one of you here has been created to do. God has intentionally created you with these three purposes. And, and these are crucial in living an, an empowered life. And there's so many people that want to live empowered lives for Christ, but they're not willing to submit to these three essential things that God has designed us to be doing. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about is that we've been created to contribute. We've been created to contribute. So we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, and just pick it up at verse 7. So verse 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. No one person, or rather to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to some, uh, someone else, uh, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes the, all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I want you to, to see a picture that's painted here. Because every single, and these are just some uh, of the gifts of the Spirit. These are not all of them. But you see that you have been created or rather empowered to contribute. Within each and every one of you, the Holy Spirit has placed a gift or gifts so that you can bring them to the table. And I want to briefly just go through the ones that are, were listed here, if, just kind of bring some emphasis to those. The first is wise advice. Really, this is when the Holy Spirit uh, really gives the ability to someone to really apply the principles of the Word of God in a practical way to very specific situations. And they recommend the best course of action at that time. It's when God is able to use you in a way where you can read Scripture, you can see how a Scripture applies to an individual's life, and you're able to give counsel and guidance. You know, I, I look at, at just... Uh, one time uh, I was listening to a sermon by Andy Stanley, and he was talking about the will of God. And he said one of the most critical things that people look over in, in the will of God is, is just seeking godly counsel. Um, seeking a, a pastor or, or someone who, who's just closer to God than you are. And, and putting just your faith and trust and the wisdom and the counsel that's there. There's, there are many pastors that operate in the gift of wisdom because they're able to direct and, and really lead you and give you advice and how you need to handle situations um, in your life. And you may know people who aren't pastors that can operate uh, in this, but it comes down to really a fundamental understanding of how to apply God's word uh, in circumstances. 
Uh, the second one is special knowledge. This, uh, this is really seen in two ways, uh, really uh, like knowing Scripture and, and having a, a, a good knowledge base of Scripture, and being able to retain Scripture, but it also could apply to, and, and NLT translates it special knowledge, and almost to reveal something that is hidden uh, for the sake of edifying um, the church. And I, I remember being in college, and I think I've told this story before, but there was a professor there that operated in, in the, uh, the spiritual gift of, of just word, uh, a word of knowledge. And a friend of mine was in class, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating this for some of you guys, but a friend of mine was in class that day, and he just asked for, his, for a prayer request for his mom. She's, she's just really stressed out. Uh, my dad it had just been diagnosed with, I think, lupus at the time, um, and and he was just praying for uh, for you know his mom because she was stressed out because her dad wasn't employed at the at the moment, and so it's just really unique. And so when the Holy Spirit moves, it's cool because I just saw the professor. He was just quiet for a moment, and he looked at the student and said, "Your mom, where she prays." It, she prays in like a, a rickety old chair. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and there's a little, like, he's like, I, I'm just, there's a scripture like on the wall, uh, like a painting almost, and it has a verse on it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, that's her prayer spot. And, and he's like, yeah, that, that's where she, that's where she prays. And he's like, do you know when she prays? He's like, don't tell me. I just want to know if you know when she prays. And he said, yes, I know when she prays. And he's, he said something crazy like, three, she goes down at 3 o'clock in the morning. She prays. That's when she prays. She wakes up at 3. She goes down. She prays. And then she goes back to bed. She's just, the guy just started crying his eyes out. Here's the point. And this is what I'm saying. This special knowledge, right? He then said, you go tell your mother that God interrupted this class to let you know that he sees exactly where and when she's pray, uh, praying to him and that he knows exactly what's going on with your dad. He knows exactly uh, where your dad's at and what your dad needs. So you tell her, knowing that he just told me all this stuff that I wouldn't be able to know by any means except through the Holy Spirit, that God is hearing her prayers. I mean, you want to talk about affirmation to your faith. You want to talk about knowing like, and for me, I'm sitting there going like, oh my God, oh, he hears my prayers. Like, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, God hears me when I pray. And that word was not just a word that edified him. That was a word that edified me. It edified everybody in that room because we were like, this is for real. And, you know, there's those, those moments where you know it's for real. But when it, like, you forget sometimes. And when it comes and it hits home like that, that's what these gifts are for. It's to edify each other. Uh, the gift of faith. Faith is the ability to have a vision for what God wants to be done and to confidently believe that it will be accomplished in spite of circumstance and appearance to the contrary, the gift of faith transforms vision into reality. And, and that's a gift that, I mean, honestly, I think every one of us should seek is, God, give us the gift of faith. Holy Spirit, impart to us the gift of faith that we could believe 
for God-sized things to be done and, and to see vision become reality. The gift of healing, obviously to be used uh, to restore uh, people and cure illnesses. Uh, also, inner healing, uh, healing of the mind, uh, those things as well. Miracles, uh, just anything that uh, manifests supernatural power of God as a witness to those. Prof- uh, prophecy, and I'm going to park here just for a sec. The ability to receive and proclaim a message from God. Now, this, this has two, two kind of sides to it. If you, if you operate in the gift of, of prophecy, and this is one of my spiritual gifts, um, there's two aspects of it, foretelling and forthtelling. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, I'm not really used in the area of foretelling uh, to where I, I've, I've been able, maybe once or twice, seen or, or spoke something like a future event um, over someone that, that's come to pass um, uh, I think of just one instance really where that's happened. But I see God use me more in this area. It, it's in the area of forthtelling. And, and what that is, is one who prophesies, who speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. And this gift provides a word from God to a specific group, not the normative word of God to all believers. Where God uses you to speak uh, prophetically into somebody's life in the sense that you're guiding them, encouraging them, and exhorting them in the direction in which God uh, seeks for them to go. Um, and so that's, that's an area in which, you know, God, I feel, um, has really blessed me uh, to, to be able to work and to encourage and to exhort people in that area. And I, the next is discernment. And this is kind of, this can cover a couple things. Uh, this gift really allows you to s- distinguish between uh, reality and counterfeits, the divine versus the demonic, uh, true versus false teaching, and in some case, uh, spiritual versus carnal motives. You ever been in a service where something happens and on all, all of a sudden you're like, you just feel like weird, like you want to puke almost, like you're like, oh my gosh, that's like, that does not feel right. Uh, that's some. That's the gift of discernment. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, "This is not of me. This is not of me." Um, and I've had plenty of instances where that's happened. You know, where you know something happens in a service, uh, and it doesn't even have to be anything crazy, um, like somebody speaking in tongues and somebody giving. I remember I was in college one time. Somebody spoke in tongues, and then another person started interpreting, going, "There's false prophets among you." There's and they're going off, and I'm like, and as soon as the guy started speaking in tongues, I felt like uneasy, and I'm like, mm, "This ain't right." And then that followed it, and I'm like, "Yeah, this definitely isn't right." Um, and I, that was confirmed to me because the president of the school actually stood up in the middle of the service and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to call this out of order. Um, and, and, you know, maybe this word is maybe something for you personally, but it's not for, for this, this body right now. And so that was something for me that was an encouragement even in my faith. Um, and so there's those instances uh, where the Holy Spirit uh, reveals those types of things to you. Unknown, and I'm sorry I'm speeding through these. If you guys have any questions, um, there's just so much more that I want to get into tonight. If you guys have any, any questions about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, hit me up. Take, I'll go to lunch with you guys. Uh, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll take as, as much time as you need. You can grill me, and, and we can go through these together. Um, unknown languages. Uh, in Acts 2, referred to as uh, tongues. And it's the, the ability to receive and impart a spiritual message in a language that the recipient has never learned. This is a, 
uh, a prayer language, but it also can be used in, in a public or a corporate setting as long as it's interpreted. Um, because remember, it's all about edifying the body. And Paul talks about how if you speak in, in a tongue that nobody can understand, Paul goes as far as to say that I'd rather speak like two intel, intelligent words that somebody could actually understand uh, than to speak, you know, a ton and nobody get what I'm saying, you know, if it's just between me and God. So if, in corporate, it's all about edifying the body of Christ, so it needs to be interpreted, and that's basically the interpretation of tongues as well. Um, so I want to get to the to the main point of this, and the main point of this is that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. When it all boils down, you know, each and every one of us have gifts within us. The Holy Spirit has placed gifts within each of us, but we have to recognize that those gifts are not for our own benefit. Those gifts are for the benefit of those around us, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if that's the reason the Holy Spirit provides us with gifts, then we need to make sure that we're not seeking the Holy Spirit for the wrong reasons. And that's what we talked about in, in week two when we talked about Simon. You remember Simon the sorcerer who, who had great ability to draw crowds, to, to appease people. He claimed to be somebody great, and then all of a sudden, Philip came, and he started performing miracles. People started seeing the power of God through Philip, and people started getting saved. And then all of a sudden, Simon wanted the Holy Spirit, but he didn't want the Holy Spirit to transform him. He didn't want the Holy Spirit to build the church. He wanted the Holy Spirit for attention. He was seeking the miracles and the works of the Holy Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit himself. And we talked about how if we're not seeking the Holy Spirit for the right reasons, if our motive's off, then it's all for nothing. Because where our heart is, is what God's concerned about the most. The Holy Spirit's designed each of us to contribute. Each of us has been blessed by God with giftings to help each other. Designed for a useful purpose. And, and I think this is seen really in the following passage and in our second point. We've been created to contribute. Remember, you have something that you can bring to the table, to, to this church, to this group. You have something that you can bring to the table that nobody else can. Think about that for a moment. Because that's what this means. You've been created to contribute. You have been designed by God to bring something to the table that nobody else can. And that's what, that's what really Paul continues on in his, in his statement that we've been created to belong We've been created to contribute and created to belong. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, he begins to talk about the body and how the gifts of the Spirit relate to, to our bodies uh, and, and specifically the parts of our body and how we have different parts of the body just like they're different gifts, but, but it all makes up the body of Christ. And so we have to recognize that we are diversely united. We are diversely united. In verses 12 and 13, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, 
and we all share in the same spirit. So we look at the gifts that we have. Imagine it this way, right? If, if one gift is just a part of the body, if you bring a gift to the table, right? Dave brings a gift to the table. He's a part of the body. Let's imagine, let's imagine my hand, all right? If, if the rest of me was concealed and all you could see was my hand, would you know it was me? What if you saw both my hands and the rest of me was concealed? Heck, I'll give you both my arms and my legs. You see what I'm saying right now? If you see a part of me, but you don't, you could see the whole picture and be like, well, that's Justin. But if you see a part of me, you wouldn't be able to tell until you were able to pretty much see the whole picture. And, and that's what Paul's trying to paint here, that we have the body of Christ, that we're all different parts to this body, but we don't recognize that we're united. Yes, we're different, just like the hand is different than my foot, like the foot is different than my hair, like the hair is different from my elbow. We're all different, but all together we are united, and the, the world is not seeing a church united. The world is seeing half of Justin's arm, half of Justin's leg, they're not seeing the whole picture of Christ in the church because we're so divided on who did this to me, who said this to me, why I can't forgive this person, why this person isn't as good as me as a candidate to be there, why I should be over here instead of where I am right now, why I should be up on stage doing this instead of sitting here in the seat, why I'm more qualified than that person. And instead of focusing on the fact that we are diversely united, we get focused on just ourselves. Man, this is a nice looking hand. Man, this hand needs to go and get pictures taken because it's so nice. I should model things with this hand. And we get so caught up in ourselves thinking that, man, this hand is so good that we forget that this hand is connected to an entire body that if we allow the entire body to be used the way that God intended to, we do way better things than just hand model. No offense to the hand models. But do you see what I'm saying? It's more than just us. We are connected with each other. And each of us have been created to contribute. God has given you an ability just like the hand has many different abilities. Different parts of your body have many different abilities and bring things to the table. You have something to bring to the table in this ministry, in this group, in this church, in this city as we reach out to people who need Christ. But we have to recognize that we can't do it by yourself. You can't contribute by yourself because you were created to belong. And we have to recognize that. So many people want to contribute without belonging. They want, to, they want to be used greatly, but they don't want to belong. They don't want to get along with other Christians. They don't want to work as a team. They want to stand out. They want to be the hand model. They want everybody to look at this beautiful hand, but they don't realize that they have been created to belong. You cannot be used. You cannot contribute unless you're belonging. And that's what's so critical about our relationships with each other. That's where we need to begin to look inwardly and say, God, 
How's my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ? This keeps coming up just in conversation. I know I, I spoke on it before, but remember, Jewish tradition. Your relationship with others reflects your relationship with Christ. If not, it's, it's equal. It's, it's considered just as important. You can't love Christ if you don't love people. So we must look inwardly and ask the question to ourselves, yes, we are different. Yes, we are diverse. But we were created to be united, to belong. The second thing that is talked about here, Paul discusses that we are deliberately unique. In verse 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? I don't think it's, diff- I don't think it's a-, a secret that we're different. Right? I mean, anybody have beef with that statement? No, because we all know it's true. We're different. We have different backgrounds. Some of us are, are introverts. Others are extroverts. Uh, some are free spirits. Some thinkers Some of us are athletic, some of us are not. Some of us are musical. I didn't mean to look at you when I said not athletic, I promise, because I'm sure you're athletic. You look like you could play soccer. Skiing, skiing, right up your alley. Some of us are educated, some are artistic, some are technological, we're different. I think the main point that we need to recognize is that no one thing is better and no one person is better. We are deliberately unique. God created us different for a reason. And now here's the problem with uniqueness. Here's the problem with with being different because there's two comparisons that arise just naturally. Naturally, because we are created different, because God deliberately put us together to be different, to be unique, we look and compare two ways. And here are the two ways we we compare. We look at people and we say, I'm not like that person. And the other way that we compare is we look at people and we say, I'm not like that person. Now, there's, there's a difference between the two of those. The first one is seen right here. The foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. There is a comparison of insecurity that can take place in our lives. When we look at another person and say, I'm not like that person. I wish I could be like that person because what that person has going on, the way that God has made them is way better than how he's made me. That person could do way more things for God than I could do for God because they've been made this way. They can do this, they can do that, but I can't do any of those things because that person is not like me and I am not like them. Another way that we look at A a, a comparison is I'm not like that person. It's the flip side. It's the flip side of this. It's not insecurity. It's pride. 
people can look and say, I'm not like that person. I know what you've created me to do, God. I know that I can do this, and I can say this. I can handle this, and I know that person can't. And the way that you've made me is better than how you've made them. I'm glad I'm not that person. And we've all fallen into one of those categories at some point in our life. And both are wrong. Because we have to recognize that we are deliberately unique, but we are diversely united, and that we were created to belong. And that no one person is better, no one characteristic is better, no one thing is better, but that together, when we actually work together, when it's not a competition of who's better than me, or am I better than him, or is she better than her, but it's, are we going to do this thing together? Because then it's not about, if you look at team sports, most of the time when you see that individual, you know, I think about some of the, some of the teams where they get the all-stars together, and, it's, and you can see the one-man shows going on in these all-star games. And then you've got all, you got basketball, you got these five like all-stars together on, on Team USA and then all of a sudden some random crew from like Uganda like beats the crap out of them and, because what? They know how to be a team and all these guys are trying to just get, get their pictures taken and be the star. How many times does that happen in the church when we're too busy competing with each other, trying to outdo one another, trying to outshow the other person, trying to say, hey, well, let me get on the pastor's good side, or, or maybe you know, they'll make me this if I do that, instead of working together as a team, humbling ourselves and moving out for the glory of God as a complete and focused and united group for the kingdom of God. And I think as a ministry, this is something that we have to catch. If you want to see God to begin using this ministry, it's going to take us uniting as a team, recognizing our strengths, recognizing our weaknesses, accepting our strengths and accepting our weaknesses, and being a support system to each other. And the moment that we begin to do that, the moment that we recognize that we have been created to belong, that if you're not belonging as a community right now, you are not fulfilling your purpose in life. That if you're you're not being a support system to each other, if you're not being a, a, a shoulder that somebody can lean on, that you are not fulfilling what God has created you to be because we've been designed to belong. We've got to catch it. We've got to catch it. If we, and this is, guys, this is, this is something that God has placed in my heart. This is a message that needs to be grasped within this community before we can see growth, before we can see development in, in our own personal relationships, and, and, and just the ministry in general is that if we don't belong, if we do not understand what it means to belong, and belonging is more than just a Tuesday night, or Friday night when we start at the beginning of the year, belonging, I don't just leave my hand on Monday, and then, you know, next Monday I go pick it up and, and keep going on. My body is with me. It's together continuously, working. Sometimes. <laughs> but for you get my point. It's together, and that's how it should be here. That we are constantly working together. Last, last service, real relationship was what? Daily. 
Real relationship is daily. There should be a daily development of our belonging to each other. We've been designed to need one another. We are parts to a whole. In verse 18 to 21, it says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Don't you love that? If you're here right now, God has a plan that you've been deliberately placed here. Look at this. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. You have an ability now. You have the opportunity being placed here to do something that nobody else can do here at this church, here in this ministry, 242. Here at First Assembly of God. Verse 19 says, How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And this is, this is playing on the second thing, right? The whole idea of pride. Right? We talked about the insecurity comparison and the pride comparison. Well, there it is. I don't need you. Well, I, you know, the hand can say to the foot, I don't need you. That's the pride coming through. When you don't think that you need the people around you, you're listening to the enemy because we have been created to need each other. Designed that way. I was talking with, with, with Dave the other day and he said uh, something I really liked. He said, uh, we were never created to do it alone. We were never created to do it alone. I, that's, I like that. You were never created to do this alone. And you've got to remember that. And I think that's where we recognize that humility is key. In verse 22 it says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Now, God gave me, and I believe it, I believe it was God, God gave me an illustration for this. Literally. I just have a question. How many in the morning when you wake up, before you leave, you have to make sure your hair is good? Yeah, that's me. I am a little, I'm a little insane about my hair. Um, I really am. And I went to a nameless corporation that cuts hair. <coughs> Super cuts. And, uh, you know, I can't say anything bad about them. For the most part, they usually do a great job. But yesterday, I went, and I got a horrible haircut. You're looking at, you're looking at what my wife was able to salvage. <laughs> but here's why I'm saying this, and it's embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you. She's cutting my hair. She gives me, like, the, the buzz on the sides. And all, all of a sudden, as she's cutting, cut, she goes, gets her trimmer, and then she goes, and gives me a line. 
buzzes a line at, in the wrong spot, not even where my hair actually like parts. So I have a part, if you were to look, and this is what's embarrassing, I use my wife's like eyeliner to color in the buzz spot on my head. Why? Because I care about my hair. And so if you were to look closely, you would actually see the spot where I have a line of hair missing on my head right now as we speak. Why do I say this? I say this because I'm ridiculously stupid about my hair. And that I would go that far as to put eyeliner or whatever it was, I don't know. I, all I knew is it was going to mark my scalp the color of hair, and I wanted to do that so that nobody could see the line. I woke up this morning and spent 20 extra minutes doing that. But did I wake up this morning and say, I sure hope my lungs work today? Did you wake up this morning and say, Sure hope my heart keeps beating. But we'll spend 20, no, 30 minutes getting our hair together in the morning, coloring in eyeliner on the, the, the part that got buzzed by some random lady's supercuts, forgiven her. But I didn't even think about something that's way more important than my hair. Are my lungs going to work today? Is my heart going to keep beating? And this is what I'm saying. Humility is key because God has designed it in a way where there are gifts that get more attention. Do you know that your hair is dead? It's dead. As soon as it exits from the follicle, it, it's actually dead. And we give so much attention on, on something so dead, not important. You could have hair or no hair and it wouldn't matter to the health of your body but we give so much importance to something so not really important, but yet we don't give a thought almost daily about our inward organs and how they're functioning and what they're doing at the moment that they're doing them. So what is Paul trying to communicate here? Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I, somebody had, uh, they had used... Uh, think your thumbs it's a small part of your body but if you were to lose it what a big difference it would make I think internally organs because it talks about the parts we regard as less honorable that those we clothe with the greatest care so we carefully protect those parts right think about your 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 body is designed to protect those inward organs those because how many seen an organ it's not pretty it doesn't look good it's disgusting but they're essential. Those things we regard as less honorable, they're clothed with the greatest care. It's protected. You've got a rib cage protecting your lungs. You've got your skin that prote protects organs as well. I think we need to recognize that there are positions and gifts that get recognition. And it doesn't mean that they're more important Sometimes they're not more important. Sometimes God is going to use you in a gifting that nobody is going to recognize that you're being used. But are you in it to be recognized? 
And that's the point that we have to ask, the question we have to ask ourselves, is if God is using you and you are doing the work for his kingdom, but there is no recognition, one, is that the point for you? Because it shouldn't be. The point for us is that we would be, regardless of recognition, serving Christ and being faithful to him. If you're in it for your own benefit, right, that's not the right motive for being used and having the Holy Spirit rest on you and use you. Humility is key. Lastly, empathy creates unity. Empathy creates unity. Paul it continues on saying, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. When you care about people, when you care about your brothers and sisters, when my thumb was broken by my brother, the rest of my body was freaking out with it, going like, oh my gosh, as soon as that thing was back to health, hmm. I was excited. You know what I mean? You ever get like hit somewhere and your, your whole body just freezes? Ah! This gentleman know maybe a bit more specifically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got a couple of men's now. We have to recognize that in a sense, when one of us hurts, we all hurt with that one person. And get this, when one of us is honored, we rejoice. Why? Because it's not about competing against one another. It's about caring for one another, moving forward as a unit, moving forward as a team. Paul goes on in verse 28 to 31 to talk about apostles and prophets and teachers and those who do miracles and healings and and helping others and those who are involved in leadership uh, in tongues and how about, about how like not all of us are going to have every single one of those gifts, but that we should earnestly seek the most helpful gifts. Most helpful to who? To others. To people around us. That we would seek the Holy Spirit to use us for the sake of others. That's why he says, let me show you the way of life that is best of all. And this is what it comes down to, guys, is that we've been created to love. We've been created to contribute. We have something to bring to the table, but you have to bring it to the table with the body of Christ because you've been created to belong. And as you do that, as you belong with each other, we have to recognize this one important aspect of it all is that we've been created to love. And I really want to close on this, uh, this point here on the fact that we've been created to love because there's really three things that I want to hit here. Three things that we're going to talk about. We're going to wrap this up. We've been created to love. The first one, love has the greatest value. Love has the greatest value. If I could speak, in verse 1 it says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. Get what Paul's saying here. Literally he would say, if you're a, a, a super spiritual person, You could speak all of these heavenly languages. People would see you as this angelic 
manifestation of the Spirit. But you didn't love people. You're just being obnoxious. Literally, that's what he's saying. You're being annoying. A clanging gong. A clashing cymbal. If you're super spiritual, but you don't love people, you're obnoxious. Because it's not, being, it's not about being super spiritual. Because if that's what it's about, you've actually missed it because it's, it's about people. It's about people who don't know Christ. It's about brothers and sisters who are going through situations in their life right now and that you've been given the opportunity to show love to them, to be a shoulder they can cry on, to be someone to carry a burden for someone else. And if it becomes all about spirituality and looking holy and looking righteous and doing all of this, and you forget people, if you forget love, well, you've missed it all. He goes on to say that it's actually not about what you know or even what you can do. It's about how you love. And this is one thing that I hope we never get caught up in. You know, People can get so caught up in knowledge and, and seeking knowledge and, and knowing so much about Scripture, but they don't have any proof of it in their life. Well, you know, I, I, I consider myself to know a lot about the Bible. Well, I consider myself to know a lot about the, the sage from Galilee. That would be Jesus. But I see you struggling with addiction and, and, and not treating people with love and, and being led by emotions, saying things that are not a representation of Christ. Your life is not backing up knowledge. And here's the thing. Knowledge alone will not change you. And that's, that's the problem. We can know so much about God. We can know so much about Jesus. But knowing about Him isn't going to change us. Falling in love with Him now, that's a different thing. I can know a ton of facts about my wife right? I can know a ton of facts about where she's from and what kinds of things that she likes. But if I don't know her in the sense that, that it produces love in me for her, then I just know about her. Knowledge doesn't produce love. He says, if you possess all knowledge... You had the faith to move mountains. You gave everything to the poor. You sacrificed your own body. But you gained nothing if you didn't love. Think about that. There are so many people that are painted religious and righteous because of their, just their actions alone. But this is the thing about faith and deeds, how they work together. Because you can have a ton of deeds but have no faith. Your faith is, is dead. You can have deeds all you want, deeds all day long. But there can still be a heart issue. Faith without deeds is dead, and deeds without faith is dead. Love is the most valuable fruit of the Spirit. Without it, we're a clanging symbol. Something nobody wants to be around, really. I mean, I play music. I've been around a lot of different drummers. And there are those drummers. Anybody know what a China symbol is? China symbol? Not, not too many of you. It gives almost, it's like a high-pitched gong. 
I used to play in a, in a scene, uh, it's a hardcore scene. We were the only non-hardcore band in that scene. But there was, there was just this movement of the China symbol where these guys would just just ride that China symbol. And it actually kind of irritated me. <laughs> it paints a good picture to me at least what he's talking about here. A clanging symbol, something that nobody, at least me, I don't want to be around. And if you're something that nobody wants to be around, then how in the world are you going to share the, li- the life of Christ with the lost and the people around you and encourage your brothers and sisters when nobody's going to want to be around you? Love is the most valuable fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's of greatest value, and it produces the greatest virtues in us. Verses 4 to 7 says, Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always is hopeful, always endures through every circumstance. Now here's here's what I want to challenge us with, is how do we measure up tonight? How do we measure up to being a person who loves other people? And this is an awesome verse. It's an awesome verse to measure yourself up to. Because as I look through it, I, I see a bunch of different questions. Am I patient? Let me think about, let me think about that for a moment. Am I patient? Are there people in my life that I haven't been patient with? Because if I'm not being patient, that means that I've got to work on my love for people. Am I kind? I mean, do I go out of my way to make people feel comfortable? Do I go out of my way to show kindness to other people around me? Is jealousy way far away from me? I mean, do I entertain jealous thoughts? Am I jealous of, of, of other people? Am I jealous of what people have? Am I jealous of the way that people live their lives and that I don't live my life that way? Do you walk in humility? Not elevating yourself, not being proud or rude. Am I refraining from demanding my own way? Am am I not uh, irritated easily? Am I quick to forgive people who hurt me? Do I rejoice in the truth rather than in my own preferences? Rather than what I want to happen? Am I quick to forgive people when they hurt me? Do I refuse to give up on people? Do I never lose faith in people? Do I stay hopeful? Do I endure through every circumstance? I mean, those are huge questions that we can ask ourselves. And I mean, ultimately, you're going to go through there and, and say, okay, i got some work to do. And that's what it's all about. We've got... We can get so caught up in life that we forget about love. Even though it's the one thing that each and every single one of us want to have, is it the one thing that each and every one of us want to be? Because that's, 
I mean, that'll take it to the bank there. I mean, that's the, I think that's the story of a lot of people's life. Is It's everything that people want to have, but is it everything you want to be? Because being it is way more difficult than trying to find it, trying to have it. Have it given to you. I want to close with this last point. Love lasts forever. And I don't mean it in that cheesy, like, you know, K Jewelers, like Jared's Diamond Store, like love lasts forever, cheesy way. I mean, literally, love is going to last forever. Paul says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gifts of prophecy reveal only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. He's saying at the end of it all, when we stand before God, when perfection comes, at the end of our life, when we stand before Him, There's going to be no more need for special knowledge because everything's going to be revealed. There's going to be no more need for prophecy because, well, you're going to be standing before the King of Kings. All of these gifts, all of these things are going to pass away. But let me tell you, the one thing that will remain is love. When you get to heaven, you're still going to be loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does this mean? We're talking about being empowered. What does this have to do with, you just talked about love pretty much the whole time and and other people. What does this mean about me being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Well, this is what we need to catch. That you can't be empowered. You can't be empowered unless you have that heart of love. So what I want to do tonight is I really want to seek to have a love for the lost and a love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's what we need to do tonight. Because if we want to begin being empowered by the Holy Spirit to really see Him use us in those those giftings, right? Because we have been created to contribute. There are gifts of the Spirit dwelling within each of us. He's he's waiting to use us. But it's not like one of these can function without the others. Well, I'll belong, but I won't contribute and I won't love. Or, well, I'll I'll love, but I won't belong or contribute. You know what I'm saying? You can't do, it's something that they all work together. And I'll tell you what, really the foundation is, begins with love. If we can really love, if we can love each and every, look around, if we can love each and every person that's here, make eye contact. Look at, look at your brothers and sisters in Christ, the people that God has placed around you. If we can love each other and support each other, be there for one another, you're going to see that belonging just, it just grows right out of love. And that as you belong, it makes it a whole lot easier to contribute, to feel confident, to move forward, to be a part of bringing what you have to the table. So that's what it's about. Tonight is about really understanding our need to love. Our need to love each other and our, our need to love the lost.
We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.